I'm Nicole Balsamo, and this is Working Title, a literary arts podcast. Today's episode brings works of discovery, loss, and monsters. Join us as Working Title presents Love Letters. Jada Reyes is a poet and artist studying creative writing at the University of Central Florida. When she's not working at the library, she can be found reading, writing poems in the notes app, or downloading PDFs. A poem about the haziness of love through the generations, this is Jada Reyes's intergenerational love poem. My father worships my mother. They build a balm out of each other, which only they can swim so far into before touching the tin tough bottom. Being a homebody feels so good for so long until the air is sick and blue with you and you realize I've been wearing the same pajama pants for three days and there's a black mirror staring at you and its teeth are hanging in the dark, smiling down on you like the eye of a sunset. Me and you were in that same exact balm, only 25 years later. We're in this wet well, this freakish Venusian haze, and I want you to build me into a bowl made from cold clay. Put me in the kiln, and when I'm sturdy and I'm solid, pour soup into me. Let me be the feed. Cara Delamister is a UCF MFA alumnus. She writes fiction and teaches high school English in Largo, Florida. The greatest love of her life turned out to be her female friendships. Here is Cara Delamister with Look at What It Brought Us. When I was younger, I thought the great loves of my life would only be men. In elementary school, I realized they could also be books. In middle school, writing. It wasn't until college that I realized those great loves could also be women. I met my first boyfriend on move-in day freshman year. He knocked on the door I shared with three roommates and asked to borrow a pair of scissors. Of the three of us who lived there, I was the only one who had a pair unpacked. Within two weeks, he was leaving roses at my door and we were officially dating. He was handsome, the kind of guy who had girlfriends in high school, who did jujitsu but also played a leading role in his school's production of Guys and Dolls. I was awkward, the kind of girl who'd never been kissed, who didn't know she was pretty, who wore a purity ring and had vowed to wait until marriage. In my high school's production of The Wizard of Oz, I was a munchkin, an Ozian, and a stagehand. We dated for a little over a year, never stopping to realize that although we loved each other, we didn't really like each other, didn't really have much in common. We were different people, and when those differences eventually divided us, it was amicable, sad, but kind. Immediately after the breakup, I realized that I'd spent my entire freshman year of college getting to know this guy who would no longer be in my life. The only people available to comfort me were my high school best friends, both attending different schools, and my co-RA, the other resident assistant who worked my floor, a girl I'd met only two months before and who'd been broken up with one day before me. I wasn't investing much in those friendships then because I was too busy trying to save a relationship that was already ending. 
I realized that school year would be sink or swim. I'd either push myself out of my introverted comfort zone or, come May, I'd end my sophomore year as alone as I felt that fall. So I called a friend from freshman year, a girl who lived on the same floor as me and my ex, and asked her if she wanted to get dinner. Thank God, she said. I've been wanting to be friends with you for so long. This was 2013. Almost seven years later, I am just on the other side of another devastating breakup, and I am struck by the love of the women in my life. One hour after I broke up with my boyfriend of four years, one of my high school best friends showed up at my apartment with a burrito. Another friend, one I'd met in Portugal at a writing residency, called to tell me she was making her guest bed in North Carolina, told me that I had to book a flight, there was no other option. When I got back from that trip and asked another friend to sign up for a run with me because I needed to train, needed a goal to focus on, she sent me a race registration link within minutes. I ran through my heartbreak and she ran through stress fractures and grief and wedding planning stress because I needed her to hold me accountable. A week after the breakup, I received a care package with an ice cream themed vibrator from a friend who always knows how to make me laugh. Another friend hosted me in her home and let me talk at her for hours while her boyfriend made us lattes and then, inevitably, cocktails. Another friend bought me a keychain to replace the one my ex had given me the year before. Another still bought me plane tickets to New York for a Dolly Parton-themed brunch she insisted I could not miss. In the same month that my first boyfriend broke up with me, I met a girl in a fiction workshop who liked puns and thrift stores. She did not understand my love of Taylor Swift or Star Wars, but she loved me anyway. When I texted her to tell her I needed to end a relationship I thought I'd be in forever, she said, do you remember being broken up with in college right before we met? It felt so sad and devastating, but also so liberating. And look at what it brought us, she said. It brought us us. While I was in graduate school in Orlando, I made frequent trips home to St. Petersburg and listened to many audiobooks, one of which was Kayleen Schaefer's Text Me When You Get Home, The Evolution and Triumph of Modern Female Friendship. What struck me the most about Schaefer's study was the time period in which women were purposefully not friends with each other. I cannot imagine my life without the women that are in it. They are incredible. They are inspiring. I love them more than anything, more than anyone. They are the greatest loves I will ever have. And that girl I invited to dinner after that first breakup? She's in medical school these days. We talk whenever we both have a spare moment, which is rare. But when I get in touch and let her know about that breakup, I know that whatever she has to say will be comforting, that she will ask when she gets to see me next. Maybe I will call her tomorrow or next week. Whenever I call, I know it will feel as though we never stopped talking. Lorena Parker Matayoski is a hot flash, a growl, an AM station, a new moon on Monday, a bad mood, a bubble letter, a mom poet, a recovering Texan, and a recent graduate of the UCF MFA in Creative Writing program. A woman examines the arc and angle of married love through her husband's tight spiral. Here is Lorena Parker Matayoski with I Love You Most When You Throw a Football. I love you most when you throw a football, because it is you totally without me. You are a boy again, doing tropical summer two-a-days at a Texas high school, and your hair is bleached blonde from an over-chlorinated city pool part-time job. 
I love you most when you throw a football to your big brother across the parking lot and skip senior year positive mental attitude class, even though you will marry a good girl who looks down on the practice. I love you most when you throw a football with a grace that is imperceptible to anyone else but a woman who loved you before she ever saw you throw a football and knew the way your shoulders pivot and fingers felt the fat laces. I love you most when you throw a football tall in the backyard with children who have an uncanny ability to put a spin on it, sand struggle or effort at such nimble age. I love you most when you throw a football without me now, but also in those summer months after our move, when it was just us, so we passed it, patient, across our new Florida lawn, and your smile was broad, and your laugh was easy at my effort. I love you most when you throw a football because it is you, totally without me, and I love you most looking at you now, while you are still strong knowing we are not getting any younger. Gray temples finally this year give your youth away. You may get tennis elbow and stop throwing footballs in your 50s, but I have until then, and right now, and this football, this image of you as a backyard athlete, I can put my own spin on and someday tenderly let go. Sean Glatch is a poet in Orlando, Florida. He is the editor-in-chief of Cypress Dome and the literary editor for Tongue Tied Mag. Sean's work is forthcoming or featured in Rising Phoenix Press, Ghost City Review, Bombus Press, Eight Poems, and La Femme Review. He spends most of his day thinking about his next cup of coffee. Sean Glatch's poem describes the beasts we become to love the people we shouldn't love. Here is American Sonnet for the Monster Love Makes of Us. We metamorphose interns. Lizard's tongue, salt for skin, lips whose ash sparks forest fires. We snarl and scratch and size the graves our bodies make. His skin ingrown with the headstones of past lives, mine pockmarked with possibilities too scared to live. I want to dissect the beasts our bodies betray. Slice the stages of language as our tongues turn lycanthropic. He excises a cancer of words riddled like tumors across my diaphragm. I scalpel the rotten rind of his brain too bruised by wanting. Love mismatches the monsters in us, every kiss loosening the stitches of other men we Frankenstein to survive. When he stares at me, dark moons pull out the animal like sailors anchoring from shore. When he touches me, I sharpen my teeth against the grindstone of his grip. We carnivore. We monster. We graveyard the other. Ribs like open caskets. Thanks to Jada Reyes, Cara Della Meester, Lorena parker Matioski and Sean Glatch for sharing their work with us. Working Title, a literary arts podcast, 
is an independent project produced with the support of the MFA in Creative Writing program, the English Department, and the College of Arts and Humanities at the University of Central Florida. Be sure to subscribe to the Working Title Podcast, available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Working Title website at www.workingtitlepod.com. There, you'll find transcripts of shows, links to local literary events, and information about the team that brings you the Working Title Podcast.